0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have you been this past week?
0: Yeah, well, Dan, a week's a long time in football, isn't it? And I must admit, from where we were last Monday, we were a lot happier and a lot better things to talk about this week. So looking forward to this one, mate.
1: Yes, what a difference a week makes. And James, I'm sure you share that sentiment also, don't you?
0: Yeah, I, I was.
2: I couldn't stop smiling all weekend. I, I won't lie to you; it was a, a really good, good weekend for for me and for a lot of Tottenham fans. I think we uh, we deserved it.
1: And also, making her first appearance of the season is Holly. So, Holly, how have you been since we spoke? What I guess a couple of months ago.
3: Uh, yeah, a lot has happened, and obviously, I'm not going to get too involved in what's happened over the weekend just yet. But like everyone else, I've been very, very happy.
1: Fantastic. Right, before we talk about a certain summer signing or two, it's time for the hit segment, Tell Us About Yourself. Now, Holly, you've got the questions this week. First up, when did you start supporting Tottenham?
3: Uh, Probably when I was about maybe 11, when I first got into football playing myself. And then, obviously, with my dad supporting Tottenham, it was obviously the going route to support the same team as your dad.
1: So your dad's to blame then? Pretty much. (laughs) Okay, dad. And then who was your favourite player growing up?
3: See. I'm going to mention his name very early on, and that would have to be Bale, because at the time of me watching Tottenham, he was the first player that really grabbed my eye and probably grabbed everyone's eyes. So, yes, Gareth Bale.
1: So, if that's Bale mark one, the next question is, who's your favourite player in the current squad? Is it going to be Bale mark two?
3: See, I'd be silly if I, if I didn't say him, but obviously we haven't seen him uh, play in that Spurs shirt just yet for the second time. So, currently, as bad as this sounds, that people say he's a sideways merchant, it would have to be Harry Winks.
1: OK, that might link us to the next question because I always ask to finish which player do you have a soft spot for which is a little left field? someone that you like that perhaps not everyone else does. Is it Winks? have you got someone else?
3: It would have to be Winks. It would oh, have to be Winks.
1: <laughs> doubling up on Winksy, I like it. Right, so that is the uh, hit segment Tell Us About Yourself for this week. Now let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning you can of course follow us across social media, we're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know, we'll get it on there and we'll all be happy. Right, let's get down to business and that business Carl is big business because the Prince of Wales has returned to be king. That's right, the return of Gareth Bale has been mooted in just about every window we've had in the past few years. So what do you think was the difference this time around?
0: Yeah, this is a real interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, we said a few weeks ago, you know, do we think this is just the usual transfer window? Will Bell come home? I guess the difference was, wasn't it, this time, there'd been a few more, you know, concrete kind of rumours. You know, he'd done the interview kind of slating the club and and mentioning about how difficult they make everything. Um, You know, you had the end of the season where, you know, he's sitting on the bench with his mask over his face and falling asleep. I think it was just obviously the right time. I think Madrid, the club, just, you know, thought, listen, we we need to do something here with this guy and maybe get him get him off the books as such, you know, the big wages there that they're paying. Um and I think probably Gareth himself has probably come to that conclusion that I, I, I wanna get back to playing football and the reality is that isn't gonna happen here. Um so You know, maybe the agent has got in touch with with Daniel and said, listen, you know, there is a possibility this time it could happen. Um, That's talk. Credit to Daniel. You know, he doesn't always do what we want him to do. But this time he's kind of put the wheels in motion and got the deal done for the guy that I think, you know, none of us probably ever saw returning, um, but one that we all wish would. Uh, And finally, we've got that wish and and we'll get to see him playing in a Spurs shirt again And I guess the only hope now for us is is that we won't see the same Gareth Bale when he left. And I think that's something we've all got to remember. You know, we're not going to see those steaming runs down the wings, you know, the, the taxi for Mike on night. Um, but I think we're still going to get a well-class player who can play in probably you know two or three positions more than he could when when he, when he left us. Um, and I think you know we probably desperately need him in some of those positions. And I think he'll just bring some real quality. And when you look at the front three of Son, Kane, and Bao, you do just kind of go. I don't think there'll be a Premier League defence that will fancy a game against those three if they hit the heights that we hope they can hit. Well,
1: this is it, James, isn't it? Because when it comes to difference, how much of a difference will the return of the Welsh international make? There's always been a question regarding how do you upgrade the attack line and the sort of players that would make that element of the pitch up, but this could be the answer, all being well in terms of performance.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's still a world-class footballer at the end of the day. I know we haven't seen uh, the best out of him in the, in the last few years, but that's, that's because of the situation at Madrid, but he he he's still that that player that that they signed at the end of the day. Um, he, he's he's got an incredible record at Madrid. He's he he hasn't just been sat on the bench the entire time they've been there. Um, and I, for us, I think it's an absolutely massive coup. It, it, even even taking out the sentimental value, I think that that's really is a player that that can take us to the next level. And if you're someone like Harry Kane who who's maybe been questioning you know your, your loyalty to the club in the last few months the last year or so because of our lack of ambition then this is something that really does show that that we want to be up there with the big boys and uh, i i haven't stopped smiling since since seeing him with the shirt i always said i wasn't going to going to get too excited until i saw him wearing the shirt and and you know what on saturday evening, i was i was absolutely beaming from from ear to ear um, because he, he's, he is obviously there's the sentimental value, but he's also an, an amazing footballer, and I, I can't wait for him to get going again.
1: Holly, at his age, there is some form of element of risk that needs to be attached to this deal. That's not to say he's over the hill or anything like that, but you know we're not quite sure as to what kind of bail we will get. Cole's just alluded it's going to be a different kind of bail. But what do you think we'll get over the course of this season?
3: I mean, yeah, of course. Like He's not going to be the same as he was when he left at that young age. But the thing is, like we said, it's the actual intent that we signed a player like Gareth Bell, And I think we all do still need to stay grounded because we haven't seen him play in the Prem for a very long time. But don't get me wrong, a player that can come off the bench in a, in a final and bang a goal in, which he did in the Champions League final, just highlights that, OK, if he's not match fit just yet, if he comes on and makes an impact, so be it. I'm all for it.
1: So, Cole, the prospect of Bale and Kane linking up is enough to get even a neutral salivating, I think it's fair to say. Do you think this return bodes well for the latter's overall game? Also, does it signal the kind of intent the club should be showing? And ultimately, does that make players like Kane want to stick around a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, if we start with the will will Kane want to stay around, I, I guess, as we've said, that is the kind of intent and the sort of signing that we've been sitting there saying that, you know, if someone like Kane doesn't see the club show some ambition and bring in the right sort of players, then eventually you will sit there and go, well, hold on, there's only so much I can do. And if they're not, you know, if the club are not going to bring in some players of my sort of level of ability to help me, then I might just be, you know, wasting my time here. So for Kane to finally see the club going out and kind of getting a player of Bow's quality, and let's not forget, we're not just talking about Bow here. There was another sign in there that I think is going to be really key, which I'm sure we'll talk about it, um, in a minute. Yep. Um, you see those sort of players coming in and it does signal a bit of intent. And, and you're still hearing that we're not finished yet. You know, there may be a centre-back, there may be a, a backup striker coming in. I think that's all encouraging to make Kane go, all right, hang on, there could be something going on here. Um, you can It can only be a good thing, can't it? And, and when Bowell comes along, I think if we look at, say, Everton at the moment with Rodriguez and the way he's playing... I think suddenly, you know, you're sitting there going, when you see the quality that he's bringing with his passing and everything like that, if you think that Bow's probably going to bring the same, if not better quality, then I think if you're Kane and even Sonny, you're just sitting there thinking, I can't wait till this bloke pulls a Spurs shirt on and I get to play with him because he's a player who, if I make the runs or put the ball where I want it, um, he's someone that if I work with, he can win us games on his own. And you suddenly just brings a whole new feeling towards the club and, and it lifts you. It really does lift you to think, there could be something going on here. We just need to make sure that, you know, we take full advantage of this and we don't just kind of rest on our laurels. But I'm, I'm very excited. And to and say the first game we get to see that front front three, I wouldn't like to be part of the back four that's got to try and contain that.
1: So, James, if we divert to players who may or may not be sticking around, I think I also need to ask you for the lottery numbers at the weekend. Because you, a few weeks ago, on the other side of this season break, you said that Deli Alley if he was going to go anywhere, it could be PSG. What happened in the room yesterday, PSG cropped up, didn't they? So well done, James. Pat on the back. But more importantly, can you see that move actually coming to life?
2: I think the reason I predicted it was because the it was the only only team that made any logical sense um, in that he's not going to get in a, in a Real Madrid. He's not going to get in a, a Barcelona. He's not going to get in a Bayern or a, or a Juve. Um, and so I, I thought PSG, you know, they're, they're the team that, that like these kind of stylish, young, flashy players. There, there's the marketing opportunity there too. Um, and I, I, I guess, yeah, it, it, made, it kind of made sense. And then I, I, that's why I wasn't surprised when the rumor came out um, the other day. Uh, I I can't see it happening in this transfer window, um, but I think it is going to be a bit of a a, a willy he for the next year or year and a half maybe. Um, because you know it, it, it all depends on whether he, he rediscovers his form, whether he wants to fight for his place at Tottenham. Uh, I think he will stay this this transfer window, and he will he will try and fight for his place. And I think the the signing of someone like Bale will help someone like Deli Ali too, because again, it shows the ambition of the club. Um, however, that that doesn't mean I, I don't think it will happen. It, it, uh, overall, I think if he doesn't rediscover that form and he he finds himself on the bench more and more. Uh, if we are going to favour this 4-3-3 three, three, that I don't think he really fits into, um, then I, I think PSG would be the next logical step for him. It's I guess it's a bit of an easier league. He's got a chance to 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 show off the, the flicks and the tricks that have made him um, so popular over here. Um, but it's not quite as effective in the Premier League. So I, I, to that one, Dan, I'll say I, I don't think it's going to happen this transfer window, but I can see it happening in maybe maybe next one. Um, if he doesn't nail down a position in this, in this Tottenham team.
1: Yeah, a case of wait and see, I think, as far as Ali is concerned. But in terms of Ali Holes, we've obviously spoken about his attitude on the show before, at length, and that attitude seems rather questionable, something which has also been highlighted by the All or Nothing documentary. The question now, though, is does he actually fit into a Tottenham team in its current shape? Will he be the ultimate victim of system change?
3: That's the thing. It's a real tricky one. Like I've said, I've hated his attitude that's developed over the past season or so, but I think his main problem is he hasn't got a motivation and like we've already touched on, maybe Bell coming in is that kick up the bum that he needs. I think hindsight's a lovely thing. If we see him go and he does wonders at a new club, we'll all be kicking ourselves. But then if he stays and he's still the same old Delhi, he doesn't progress, he doesn't move on, we'll be like, why didn't we sell him? So it is a tricky one. It is pretty much make or break, I think, for Delhi this season.
1: So, Cole, I know you've been an exponent of selling Ali, if only to bring in transfer funds to the club. So it doesn't really seem you have to sell to buy at the moment after our sort of largesse at the weekend. With that said... If you were to get rid of Ali and it meant you then getting a centre-forward and a centre-back, let's say this side of October, is that something that you'd green-light?
0: It depends on the quality. You know, from my view with Ali was, you know, if we were looking for funds desperately, then, you know... I, you'd have to sacrifice someone, you know. We could say that it was something that maybe we could have done a few years earlier under Poch, you know, to kind of move the squad forward. You know, when someone like Ericsson was maybe a hundred pound player, should we have cashed in at some point there and and did what Liverpool did? Um, I would like to see Alley stay and regain that form because it, you know it's a bit like you know the more be- the, the better players you have and the more of them in your squad, the better for you as a club. Um, Will we ever get that alley back? Who knows? I think, as Holly said there, the only hope is is that someone like Bow coming in gives him a lift. Maybe Joe, say, dropping him for a couple of games just to maybe make him realise hey, listen, you know, if you don't do it, then you're not getting in this side. Simple as that. We have to see if these things kind of make him raise in game and, and you know, show the determination to get himself back. One thing I will say, given some of the rumours flying around, he can. You know, Ali can do what he wants and stay the player he is right now as long as it means we don't get fucking Jesse Lingard through the door. Because <laughs> I'd rather see <laughs> Ali just sit in the reserves and, and earn some money for nothing rather than seeing Lingard come into the club. Um, that is for sure. Um, I, there is a player there, and I think, as Holly said again, if we were to see him leave and suddenly regains that form and starts banging goals in. I don't want to suddenly see him return to haunt us in some big games. So I still think he's worth, you know, right now, given the squad that we've got and the transfer business we've just done, I would prefer us to see us keep Delhi and just see. right, listen, can we get this player back to where he is? But I think, as the guys have already said, I think this season is real make or break. And, And if we don't start to see, you know, the redevelopment and that form start coming back, then I can see the club sitting there saying, listen, that's not fall into the trap again of an Ericsson here where we end up losing out and only getting, say, 15, 20 million for this guy. That's that's just take the hit now, sell him, get 50, 60 million for him. And then, you know, we might be able to recover from losing a player that showed some real promise.
1: So, James, when you look at the squad and you listen to Mourinho's comments on Sunday regarding taking 18, leaving eight behind. It does seem we're a little bit lopsided in terms of squad depth at the moment. Sort of nice problem to have, but if you're going to go with a massive squad, you've got to try and keep everyone happy. So, if you're the boss, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to keep everyone happy, or are you sending some people out the exit door?
2: Well, I think we've said it plenty of times before that there's there's quite a lot of deadwood around Tottenham. That, and I say deadwood, but I mean there's so many players where you, you kind of don't know what. What they're doing, you know, are they are they coming? Are they going? Are, can you even consider them deadwood, or can you consider them a, a promising player? Players like Juan Foyth, who've been there for so long, it seems, and they've they've had so much of an opportunity to to show, you know, they've they've had an the opportunity to show, firstly, Pochettino, and now Mourinho, that they're a player that's worth keeping around the squad, and they've never really broken through. Um, you know, we saw with with Kyle Walker Peters that eventually we we did you know he's here he's there he's he, the odd good performance but then he's out the squad we cashed in and that that was the right thing to do with him you know what why aren't we doing the same thing with someone like Foyth what's the point of having him in, around the squad so you know there's there's a few players where you think you're you're kind of just taking up a uh, a place in the squad uh and and not really doing anything with it you know we we could we could definitely sell some players and raise a few funds um in this transfer window uh it's it's a difficult one for Mourinho because obviously he'd be complaining if he had a short uh, if he had uh, a small squad and he had no one to pick from um so it's it's kind of finding that happy medium uh in the yeah let's let's trim the fat let's get rid of some some of the deadwood but let's remember how, just how many games of football that we've got to play this season we're already already moaning about the fixture schedule uh, and how close together the games are we there's, there could come a point where we're going to have to call upon players that that you wouldn't have thought towards the start of the season we're going to get a look in. You know, your Cameron Carter-Vickers, is he going to get a look in because we're just so so spread thin across the line? You know, you just don't know.
1: Yeah, I think having a big squad this season, the selling point to the players who are on the fringes might be, as you say, James, look, in theory, there is loads of football to go around. Like, you will get a chance. Next season, when it all sort of, hopefully sort of recalibrates back into what you consider normal, you couldn't really get away with that excuse. So it might be of a benefit to have a bit more fat to insulate you but again that comes with a caveat of actually being in competitions which we'll get to later on so holes of course it's not all about outgoings we shouldn't forget Sergio Reguilon because he's also arrived at the club so an addition at left back one which I think it's fair to say is welcome and needed with him offering a lot more going forward could you see a switch to a back three and him and Doherty operating as wing backs in the future?
3: I mean, I could do, but my only concern is that is sorting out that back-two partnership, which is um, stressing me out slightly. But, yeah, personally, because they're both very much attacking, um, it is something to think about. And obviously, with him coming in with left-back as well, it also gives a bit of competition to Davies. You never know, that might make Davies up his game as well. I just think it's a brilliant signing. And once again, it's someone that we needed. I've always said with Levy that I'm annoyed that he never splashes the cash on players in positions that we generally need. But I also think that's Jose's direction, as in Jose's been there, done it before. I need this player, bring him in. So, yes, I think it's another great addition.
1: It does make you wonder where Ryan Sessegnon fits in all of this. I don't think we've even got time to discuss that point on this show. We might hold it back to next week. But, you know, where on earth does he even fit in the team in the squad at the moment? Hold that thought for next week, because now we're going to discuss the show at St Mary's. And, Carl, obviously, we're all going to wax lyrical about that 5-2 win in more detail, you know, in the next few questions and all that. But I want to touch on the first half because although we started well and finished well, it's the 35-40 minutes in between which would have been something of a concern.
0: Yeah, massively. You know, I, I still say, you know, the, the big question we're all everyone's been asking is, isn't it, you know, what Jose Mourinho have we got? Um, we've seen glimpses of performances where you go, well, yeah, OK, you know, that that was good. Um, wins that you'd go wasn't pretty, but we take. But then there have been some performances where you're just sitting there going, wow, this is really bad. And as much as, yes, you can accept to an element, of, you know, people might say, yeah, but, you know, he, he's still looking to get his players in and might need a couple of transfer windows. I'm someone who sits there and says a good coach is able to get more out of players that have been at the club and, and we've not got a squad that's full of, you know, real dross. There is some quality there and, and I think Joe say should have been getting better out of some of those players that are already there. And we've looked at some of these performances and gone, that was really bad and that was really worrying. And I think, as you say, you know, that, that half of football, I have to say, if we hadn't had got that goal, you'd be sitting there going, I could quite easily turn this off with the way we're playing because we can't string two passes together. You know, I think they said it in commentary. We we didn't look like a team that's got a, this is how we're going to play football. That's keep trying this and keep trying to do these things. It was just, OK, one minute we'll go long. Next minute we'll try to play football. And players just look like they're... They're just, what, what should I do? I don't really have an idea of what we're trying to do here. Um, it was disjointed. It was bad. The defending, I think, really worries me at the moment, you know, with, with how easy teams are getting at us. Because on another day, let's be honest, Southampton could have had six or so themselves on another day. So I think there are real concerns and real worries about the sort of performances we're seeing.
1: James, in the first half, Hugo Reese, as Carl says, it's, I know he was certainly busy... So one good save from Che Adams, one goal where he could have done better, one moment where he was rather fortunate to see that goal chalked off. Overall, what did you make of his first forty five minutes?
2: Do you know what I I think he's been absolutely brilliant since um since Mourinho's come in, since that injury even. I think he's been he's come back an even better goalkeeper than, than when he got injured. Uh I I think it's a bit harsh to, to criticise him for, for the goal that was disallowed because you know i think he, i think he did quite well with that and was was unlucky and and you know at the end of the day it was handball um that save from Shay Adams I don't think it's been given enough enough um praise i think that was an absolutely amazing save and to to you know he, it was hits with such force and he managed to tip it over the bar with his his weaker hand as well you know that that's that is some that's some feat um so i, I think i i've got absolutely no criticism for him you know danny Ying's probably shouldn't be scoring from that uh from that angle but you're talking about a guy who who's scored 22 goals last season he is a, a deadly striker and I, I i you have to put it down to the fact that that's a great finish it's it's only snuck in the corner and you know I, I i i can forgive Hugo for that one because he's he's a great striker and that was a great finish um we can't expect him to save all of them and if we're going to have a defence that leaky and, and let teams get that many chances, then a couple of goals are going to slip through. Um, so, you know, I've got nothing but praise for, for the captain. And I think he's, he's, he's been absolutely brilliant since what we all thought was going to be a career-ending injury. Um, but he's, he's come back better than ever and, and he's, he's really steering the ship.
1: Yeah, fair point, James. I'd agree with that. So, Holes, what did you make of Indumbele's, shall we say, cameo performance in the first half? A good pass to get the equaliser going. But was that enough to warrant more minutes after the break? If you look, he was actually wearing sort of a form of heavy strapping. So do you think the switch was always conscious from Mourinho? Or was it more based on that actual first half performance?
3: I think it was more so the injury kind of wise feeling in the back of Jose's mind. I think, obviously, I was shocked to see him even starting, to be fair. So the fact that he even had 45 minutes was, was shocking to see. But in a good way, if that makes sense. So I think... Lo was ultimately always going to come on at half-time. But just for Ndombele to get 45 minutes in the tank and just maybe see how he performs uh, in, on the pitch, basically. Like we said, we haven't really seen much of him. So for him to get 45 minutes, I think, is a big deal. But like I say, I don't think it was necessarily the way he was playing. I think it was more so, right, you've had 45 minutes, mate. Let's get you off so we don't pick up any more injuries and we'll let Lo Le have a go.
1: OK, that's the first half out of the way. Let's get to the good stuff. So, Carl, I don't know about you, and also, I don't know what was said at half-time, but it certainly worked for the team as a whole. Sun helped himself to Southampton's woeful high line, and when he turns in a performance such as that, he's an absolute joy to watch, isn't he?
0: Yeah, definitely. Southampton completely lost their heads, didn't they? You know, They'd been warned a couple of times in the first half with what we could do with one pass. You kind of think you know, the goal right on half-time makes them say, listen we've got this game in control if we just don't do nothing stupid like we did there. And then they suddenly just go and decide, let's just go and play a real high line for the rest of the game. And when you've got Kane supplying the bullets, Son in that form is untouchable. Uh, And as rightly say, at every point he got through, there was at no point, did you think he'll miss this? Every time he was in, you were like, here we go. This is another one. He's going to score because in those positions, he is clinical when he's in that mood. Um, and as I say, the, the pace he's got, the way he can beat defenders and the way he tucks the ball away, you know, he, nice and low, drilled in, um, it's a pure joy to watch. Um, and I say he is going to be one, you know, he is, without doubt, maybe now the third most important player we've got at the club. Um, he would have been the second, but he's probably just dropped down one notch, unfortunately, for him. But, you know, he is a real class player and one that, like I say, when he's in that mood, um, there's not many defences or teams that that can stop him. Um, And it, again, just goes to show he is an underrated player um, and I am actually surprised as yet that there haven't been some bigger clubs looking to try and maybe steal him away from us. Um, But thankfully they haven't and we've got him because when he's in that mood, he'll kill anybody.
1: It was like watching a live stream of FIFA you know just one kid's just given up he's got <laughs> absolutely pumped because it's the same move all the time just played in from Kane son goal and James we want to talk about Kane because obviously Sun scores four Kane puts them all on a plate so that element of his game is very much appreciated by Spurs fans often ignored by his detractors now surely that will make them wake up and say actually there's even more to his game
2: I I was sat in the office last week, and, and one of my colleagues said Harry Kane does nothing unless he scores, and uh, I I had the biggest smile on my face going in uh, this morning, going into the office and presenting Harry Kane with four assists and a goal to his name, and it it just showed that he he is not just a world class striker, he's he's a world class footballer in general because. Some of the passing, you know, the weight of pass. That that first goal, I thought, I thought the the, the weight of pass for that really went unnoticed because it was, it, you know, if that was Serge Aurier, it was going out for a for a throw on the other side of the pitch. Um, but you know, that's it. Just shows his vision's incredible. Weight of pass is, is incredible, uh, and just that kind of all round awareness to to know that Son's going to be making that run. Uh, and yes, it, it, you could say it's poor defending from Southampton. Why they they carried on with the high line when it was clearly going to kill them, we'll, we'll never know. But either way, you know, Harry still had to pull those those passes out of the bag, and at the end of the day, Sonny still had to finish them as well. So you know, no, nothing but praise for that for those two. Um, and I think Harry Kane has definitely shut shut a few people up with that with that performance because he's. You know, he he definitely does that, more often than he scores a penalty, he does that more often than he scores a tap in. So, um, I I think Kane's one of those players that you you're fine if, if you're a, a rival fan, you're trying to find as many flaws as you possibly can, uh, and there just aren't any. So you have to sometimes you have to just you know take your hat off and say this is this is a world class footballer, and we're lucky to have him playing in the Premier League.
1: And Holes, what did you make of the discussion after the game when someone's being interviewed and Mourinho chimes in and says, actually, Kane was man in the match? For you, is that an attempt for Mourinho to be a bit too matey with Kane or is it a ploy to fire up Sonny even more to say, look, yeah, you scored four, but there's still room for improvement. So what's your take?
3: I mean, I'd love to know the workings of Jose's head. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> like, some of the things he does, I'm like, you're mad. And then I think to myself, actually, no, wait a minute, you might have actually fired Sonny up, but... For me, I just think it was a little bit like, I don't know, it was strange. I thought, OK, Harry Kane did basically make all those goals for Sonny, but Sonny's the one that put it in the back of the net. And I think it was more of a fact to just, I don't know, maybe put the limelight on Jose. It, it's weird. He likes to like slip in now and again just to show his face. But, yeah, I, I don't really know how I make of it. Because, like you said, it could fire Sonny up, but it could also make Sonny go the other way. For me, it was just a bit peculiar.
1: Yeah, I think that's the sort of, like I say, just Mourinho with a sound bite, if nothing else. But it shouldn't destabilise either player too much. You'd like to think not anyway, but I think things will be fine. If, and if, if anything, if it makes Sonny even better and he gets five at the weekend, then it will, would have worked, wouldn't it? So there would be no complaints on this show. So we have complaints though, Carl. A handball at the very end. It mattered very little, but we seem to be sort of at the point now where any contact with a hand towards the ball in the penalty area then becomes a penalty. So what did you make of that Matt
0: Doherty incident? Yeah, it was a real, you know, this is one of them, isn't it, where you're sitting there saying that, you know, if if these ones are going to get given as penalties every week, then we're going to see a lot of penalties this year. And I reckon someone could win the golden boot just on penalties, to be honest. Um, They're harsh. I guess the only thing you say is if we are going to give everything that hits a hand as a penalty, then okay, we'll start to get used to it. But... What I can't understand is we've seen a couple of them given at the weekend, but yet then in the Arsenal-West Ham game, there's a clear handball in the penalty box there by the Arsenal defender that doesn't get given. And I think this is the frustration for everybody, isn't it? You know, if we're going to see one or two given one week and then the next week one doesn't get given that's handball, you're going to feel really aggrieved. So. I don't mind if they stick to it and we we learn to live with this fact that, listen, if it hits an arm in the box, you're going to give away a penalty. But that's just hope we don't get this one week. It's a penalty. One week it isn't Um, because I think then that is where you're looking at something being really harsh. But I think we are just going to have to be careful this year, aren't they? You know, The one thing we could say, it was like the Champions League final, was not it? So Soko's pointing to an imaginary attacker, you just have to say, listen, you've got to use your heads. Don't put your arms up in the penalty box because if that ball does hit you accidentally, you, you could cost us a game at a vital moment. So just keep your arms down. You know, try and put them behind your back if possible. But I think we're going to see some really harsh penalties given this season.
1: James, I'm sure I asked you this on the, one of the first ever podcasts that we did years ago. And I asked, should any contact with the ball with a hand be a penalty? I'm sure you said no at the time. Has your mindset changed with the use of, sort of technology, as Carl says, as long as it's consistent? What's your take now?
2: No, it's still absolutely ridiculous, mate. I, I think it, it, it just, why can they not just use common sense? You know, it, it wasn't that much of an issue to start with, you know, before VAR came in. We, we you know it was yeah it was a bit of a flaky rule we, you know was was it intentional was, was always uh, a favorite line of mine because obviously not no no footballer is ever going to intentionally handle a ball inside the penalty penalty box but i just i just think some of the decisions being given at the moment are are ridiculous and this, as soon as the referee goes over to that monitor he's seeing a, a two or three second clip of of a ball hitting a hand He's not seeing the context of it. He's not, he's not seeing, you know, look at the Man United game. Uh, is it, was it Lindelof? He's, he's absolutely busting a gut to, to get back goal side. And obviously his arms are moving because no no footballer can run without moving their arms. No person can run without moving their arms. So, you know, they, they don't show the, the whole clip of him busting a gut to get back goal side of, I think it's Zaha. And then the ball hitting him on the arm, they just see a three second clip of a ball hitting someone on the arm, and the same with same with dockey you know he, he, yeah, his arms in the air, but you can 't play football with your hands in your pockets, so i just i i think I'm i'm, I'm struggling to to see who this has benefited who who the v r system is actually benefiting because every week we seem to be complaining about it um, you know we yeah we've had a few go in our favor uh, but is anyone really saying that it's it's created more of a level playing field? I think it's just managed to it's it's created a level playing field in that it's pissed everyone off the same amount. I I just think they they should they should scrap the whole thing and, and the money that they spent on it they they should have put into retraining the referees because it, it hasn't yeah it hasn't hasn't improved anything and and every single week we're going to find ourselves complaining about a, a ridiculous handball that's that's been given in one game and then uh, a a, a ridiculous offside that's that's not been that's been given another game, and then something that's not been given in another game. You know, it's 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 all subjective, and at the end of the day, if you, we can all deal with a bit of bad refereeing every now and again, it kind of made it a bit entertaining, if anything. But when they're 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 killing the game, what like they're killing it, I just I just can't find a, a solution that that fits everyone.
1: Right, James, now you've got that official rant off your chest, I'll stay with you because I want to ask you about Pierre Heuberg because he made a quick return to his old club and he would have picked up some bragging rights. However, do you think his performance was any better against Southampton than it was against Everton?
2: I think Slightly.
1: Um, I'm still But that's, from a, that's said, from a low base though, isn't it, when you at Yeah, it
2: yeah, exactly. I was I was not very impressed against Everton. I wasn't impressed in preseason either. So I'm I, I I'm am still kind of confused about his role. Um as as I said on the on the pod last week, I just I, I'm not really sure that he is the the defensive midfielder that um that we that we really need. Um I've he, again at times during the game i can see that he's he's not the furthest player back he's not shielding the defense like we think he's going to uh and he's 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 also not you know just shipping the ball to our creative players like like he's meant to be um yeah. you know it, 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 i think it was almost like winks and hoybeag were were playing each other's positions winks were playing further back and and giving the ball to Huyberg for for him to do something with, which which to me just made made no sense. Um, I think he he really needs to just be that one that sits in front of the defence. And uh, if it means that he you know he, he even slots in as a third centre back while our while our backs are attacking, then that that makes more sense to me. But the role he's playing at the moment, I'm I'm a little bit confused as to what he's actually there to do. If he's if he's not breaking the play and if he's not yeah, as I say, leaving the create, creative stuff to the creative players, then I'm, I'm not really sure his role in the team.
1: And Holly, Eric Dyer has come in for some criticism from fans after the game, some going as far to say that he should be part of any late window exodus. Do you think the criticism of his performance was fair? Also, do you think it's not unlikely that he'll go? Because when you sort of look at his role in the squad, he seems to be one of Mourinho's pet projects at the moment, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, 100%. He won't be going. Jose loves him to bits. And the thing for me, I I didn't like him as a CDM and I really don't like him as a centre-back. Uh, personally, he tries to do this long ball and I don't know whether he's trying to watch Toby do it, but Toby's a long ball specialist. Eric Dyer, Eric Dier hits the thing and it goes out of place. So for me, I'm really not a fan of Eric Dyer. Don't get me wrong. I think he's trying to improve. Whether he's actually improved is another matter. I'm going to try not to be too negative, but I think... For me, Dyer isn't the question. Will Dyer still be in the team week in, week out? I reckon so.
1: Cole let's quickly go back to Thursday night. And I'd love to break down the win against Lokomotiv Plotiv in a lot of detail. But unfortunately, the streaming of that game was absolutely awful. So, <laughs> you know, we won, which is great. I don't think the performance was too much better than the quality of the streams, was it?
0: No, I think I spent about half hour watching something about um, Johan Cruyff yeah. at one point. Um, so... You know I don't know when we signed in, but that was a masterstroke from levy. Um, no, that that was unreal, wasn't it? You know if you paid If you paid your 10 pounds to, to watch that, you would have been extremely annoyed because I, I know they'll sit there and say it was nothing to do with them. You know it was the host TV company that were running it that had problems, but it, it was pretty dire. but then, in all honesty, mate, I, I think we probably got saved because the game itself was actually pretty dire from the bits that we did see, um, some shocking defending that led to their goal. Um, you were sitting there thinking, oh, my God, this would be the ultimate embarrassment now, wouldn't it? You know, if we suddenly lose to this team. Um, but then we stepped it up a little bit. I think the only thing you can get from that performance was, again, it was one that makes you just think, oh, you know, uh, what what are we doing under Jose? How are we going to play? You know, w- what is this side going to become? Um, but then... These early games, I think, cause that problem. This fixture pile-up and that that are coming and, and the need to rotate the team so much because of the the pile-on on fixtures. I think we're probably going to see the odd performance like that. I think the best we can say is we got through it. We go on to the next round and hopefully we just get these out of the way and we get into that group stage where then things settle down and we can kind of get ourselves on the path to, to reach in the sort of quarters and or semis that I think we can do.
1: Yeah, I can't remember who said it yesterday in terms of a pundit, but they're saying that for pretty much every Premier League team, this is pre-season these first few weeks. We're all sort of muddling away through it as clubs. And if you look at Tottenham's, shall we say, first... Let me do the maths. 225 minutes of the season, James. It's not been great, has it? The first performance against Everton, Meek, that show against Plovdiv. Forgettable, but a win. The first 45 against Southampton, iffy. Now, of course, a great end to the game against Southampton, but there's more bad minutes than there are good minutes.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, and to be fair, it's not um, the actual performances themselves that are worrying me. I, I'm, I'm more concerned at the lack of system. Or, you know, we, we've spent so long talking about how Jose is going to come in, and, and the word system has been used and used and used. You know, maybe at one point it was the lopsided full-backs. Um, you know, I, I think he might have even ditched that now. Uh, maybe if we go a little bit more direct to that system we use. At the moment, you look at that first half of the Southampton game, it just looked like there was no system. And, and the players look confused as to as to what they're actually doing themselves. I mean, Jermaine Genus in commentary was absolutely baffled at, at the fact that we, we just had we had no idea what we were meant to be doing. Um it's 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 interesting because every every other team in the league seems to have some kind of system they stick to. Um, I you know, bang on about Wolves and Sheffield and and, and teams like that who have uh, and Leicester who have become what they've become in the last few years because they've they've got managers who have who have stuck to to the system that they want to play. And and we've spoken so long for, for so long about Jose having his system and being able to drag us. Uh, into that upper echelon in the Premier League because he's got this this magical system. I'm not I'm not seeing any evidence of it. Um, and you you know you could go as far to say that that Son and, and Kane have have kind of bailed him out in that game a little bit because they they themselves identified that um, that Southampton were playing a high line and, and and Southampton carried on playing it even though it was very clear that we were going to keep on scoring goals for fun. So I I, I, I when we talk about system, I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why people think we need to have we can't have both attacking fullbacks. People are forgetting that we had Danny Rose and Kyle Walker in the same team, and yeah, we had we had players like Juan Yama and, and Dembele in in front of the defence that, that could do a defensive job. But why can't we do the same thing now? Look, we've we've got uh, Matt Doherty now, and we've got uh, Regi on as well, playing left back. Look, why why can't we look at a team like Liverpool who, who are playing? Trent and and Robertson at uh, at uh, fullbacks and they they rarely have to defend. You know it, it's it is doable. There's, there's, there can't be this this kind of misconception that y- your fullbacks can't can't can either attack or defend. They're they're there to do both. And and I, I don't understand why why we can't play a kind of system like that, like like we did when when we almost won the league that year um I, I you know it made me think earlier when you when you mentioned that we've we need to play wing backs to get the best out of them well every, every full back nowadays is a wing back because they the, the amount that they have to get up and down that that flank is is incredible but that's the position that they play and i i feel like we we could get the, the most out of our players but talking about system i i i spoke on the pod last week about i was a bit worried that the system that we we're playing wasn't getting the best out of the players that we've got um, and hopefully, we, you know, especially with Bale coming in now as well and, and Reguiano, hopefully we can, we can find a system that gets the best out of the players that we've got rather than Jose just plugging away at a system that, that he wants to implement and, and not looking at who we've actually got in the ranks.
1: So, Holly, with Thursday in mind, bear in mind also that the Carabao Cup tie could be forfeited by Leighton Orient. How strong do you think Jose will go come our European exploits?
3: Hopefully strong. Like he said in the uh, documentary, it, it's win everything. And that's the way it should be. So I'm hoping he goes quite strong, especially if that late Orient game is cancelled. I think the verdict is it pretty much is. Um, so, yeah, another day's rest as well. So I can't see why he wouldn't try and push and play the best team that he possibly could.
1: So, Cole, if that late Orient game is mothballed and we get through to the fourth rounds, a tie with Chelsea likely awaits. Of course, that's not a given either, but let's, you know, let's assume. With that in mind, do you think Mourinho will then load the bases in terms of line-up more than if there was a lesser draw or will he still be relatively hamstrung by the quick turnaround in fixtures that are now presented to him?
0: Yeah, I think we're still going to be hamstrung by the fixtures we've got, haven't we? Because you know, we. I think if there's one competition this year, it, this is quite funny to say, isn't it? Because for years and years we've banged on saying this should be the competition we really go for because we can win it. But I would say this year, this will be the competition that I'd quite happily go, listen, I've been this one off, you know, and I don't mean that as disrespectful, but if there's going to be fixtures where we put out a weaker side and let's try to save our players for bigger games, this will be the competition this year that I'd quite happily say, I don't want to see Kane playing, you know, I don't want to see him anywhere near the squad for this fixture. That's concentrating on the league and the UEFA Cup um, and try and do as well as we can in those competitions because that's where we're going to see the greatest games if we do something really good in them. Um, and given the amount of games, I think this is one that I could quite happily see us kind of rest some key players, bring in some of the fringe players, you know, put more up top, give Stevie Bergwine some minutes, you know, give people like Lamella some game time, um, if need be, I wouldn't mind seeing the likes of Foyth and that play at centre-back just to see what these guys can do. But based on the fact that, listen, if we go out, then we're not going to be that disappointed. Um, because, yeah, as you say, <clears throat> given the fixture pile-up, you do have to prioritise. And I think we've got priorities in better areas than the Carabao Cup.
1: James, if we do meet Chelsea, could that be the perfect opportunity for Dele Ali to show his worth once again?
2: Well, yeah, he, he does love that fixture, doesn't he? Um, so you'd like to think so. You'd like to think that that would kind of relight that fire inside him. Um, you look back at, at past fixtures against Chelsea. He's always been the one that starred and, and he's always had that little bit of magic. But I think it's 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 hard to forget. But I mean, that, that was a, a long time ago now. You know, a lot's happened since then. So, and, and not a lot of it good for Deli Ali. So, I mean, f- fingers crossed that it would kind of kickstart something inside him that, you know, we need to see that form. Otherwise, as I say, I feel like it could be out, out the door next tra- next uh, transfer window.
1: And, Hol- and Holly, I asked Chris the same question last week. But by the time we close the transfer window, do you think we'll still be in the Carabao Cup and the Europa League? Or will the Carabao Cup, as Carl says, have to be the sacrificial lamb?
3: I mean, I'd like to sit here and say we'd still, win, still be in both. But I think if we are going to sacrifice one, it would have to be the Carabao Cup. Like, like we said, I think, obviously, the Europa, I think it's something that, like we said all along, although we banter about it, I think it is generally something we could win. So why not go all guns blazing for that? And obviously, a League Cup is nice to win, obviously, when you haven't won a trophy for so long. But if we are going to pick and choose, obviously, I would obviously go for that Europa and having a good stance in the Premier League.
1: Absolutely. I mean, also, you've got to consider, when you look at the actual prize that comes with winning the League Cup, it is a route into the Europa League. If you win the Europa League, it's a route into the Champions League. So if you're picking one, it really is a no-brainer, really, isn't it? That said, Carl, we could have been in the Europa League via the FA Cup route last season. Let's have some all-or-nothing chat to finish. How annoyed are you still about Michel Vaughan against Norwich?
0: Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't relive that moment. I'm afraid, mate, because you know, for me, that that killed me with all. You know, the, the one, the one, the guy hadn't played at all, um, and at that point, we seriously thought, you know, listen, I, I thought, you know, with Jose coming in, we had a real chance of winning the FA Cup last season. And again, you were sitting there with all saying, weren't we, you know, this guy's a winner. He's not going to be sentimental. We're not going to see the sort of things that Poch did where he's going to pick a player completely out of position. And he ultimately, in my opinion, cost us that game by picking a goalkeeper who hadn't played um, and didn't really deserve to be given a game. And yet, by, by giving him that sentimental game, it, it cost us massively in, in that game. I know it's you know, not just Michael, Michel Vaughan cost us that game, but that one mistake you know really did set us back. Otherwise, I think we win that game 1-0, as grim as it was. But yeah, just watching that, I had to kind of fast-forward those moments, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> really? It's that sore?
0: Uh, it's that sore wow.
1: that sore. <laughs> <laughs> dear, oh dear. Another thing that would have been sore, James, are the injuries that happened across that sort of last third of the season, you know, sort of pre-corona. It's a big what if, of course. But if we had more fit players, how successful could that season actually have been?
2: I think, uh, I mean, relatively successful is probably the right answer because um, I, I, I don't think we could have ever made a real success of, of that season just because of, the, you know, the absolute car crash that it was from, uh, from the start. Um, obviously that the injuries didn't help, um, you know, first Kane and then, and then Sonny with his, with his, with his broken arm, even though he still managed to, to bag a couple at Villa with a broken arm. Um, but you know, I've, I, 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 you've made me think about that Norwich game and just the, 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 amount of missed opportunities that we had last season. I mean, it wasn't just a Michel Vaughan moment. There was, it wasn't it Lucas Moura that could have, that could have, uh, that could have uh, squared it for Deli Alli in, in that game as well. And it's a lot of a lot of what-if moments that, that would have made last season a lot more successful. Um, but, you know, fitness in this Tottenham team has always been an absolute mystery to me and I'm, I'm not really sure how we manage to break players in the way that we do. You know, I, I think it was uh, Lo Celso hadn't missed the game for, for uh, however long and then as soon as he comes to Spurs, he seems to be broken every other week. Uh, Endon Bellet played most most of the minutes for for uh for for leon last season and and he seems to be broken as well uh i, I just don 't understand how we managed to break players how in the way that we do but hopefully we we can learn from our mistakes and that we can keep everyone fit this season because um if as we saw with last season if we keep everyone fit then we can then we can compete on a number of fronts and hopefully one of those trophies will will come home with us we talked you know Gareth bale talked about trophies so many times in his interview um, I think the Europa League is, is one that he hasn't won it, the, the very few that he hasn't won so uh, fingers crossed that, that, we can, that we can bring one home this season it would be absolutely lovely
1: and Holly you get the final question which is in the final episode there's an interesting chat between Daniel Levy, Tanguy Ndombele and a player a liaison officer who I can't remember his name he's not really integral to the conversation by the translation but the conversation itself is quite striking It sort of just said that Ndombele, it's down to you now. If you use Sissoko as an example, he wasn't universally loved. Well, actually, far from it when he first joined the club. But look at him now. He's a mainstay of the team. That could be him. Will it be him?
3: I'd like to think so. And I think a lot of people actually do rate Ndombele, even though we haven't seen a lot of him, whereas a lot of people didn't really see the point of Sissoko, if that makes any sense. So for me, I think... It was a striking conversation to see between them and to think that that sort of thing kind of happens. Because you don't, obviously you think it does, but you don't see the way it does. And obviously it was probably a bit set up. But still, I think what was said is true. I think it's now Ndombele's time to actually show us what he's made of. And the fact that they touched on it, it does take a while for players to to get into the swing of things. And let's not forget, Sokol was at Newcastle and he still had a bad time in his first year at Tottenham. So for him to come across from abroad, to come straight into the Premier League, I think it's going to give him a bit more time to just get into it. But all us Spurs fans, we're, just, we're too eager. We want to see him. We know the potential's there. So hopefully, like we saw at the weekend, him getting those 45 minutes in the tank, there's, there's more to come.
1: Yes, fingers crossed. It's a pivotal season for him and everyone else, really. But with such a clamour behind being the record signing, you want performances yesterday which we haven't got at the moment, if we're being honest, but there is time. It's a case of how much time will be afforded to him. And talking of time, we haven't got much left, so we need to do the predictions. Now, Thursday's team, I can't even pronounce, so we're going to skip straight to Sunday, which I believe is the visit of Newcastle to our lovely new stadium. And Holly, I'm going to start with you. What's your prediction for Sunday's meeting?
3: Uh, Well, I'm hoping it's a win. Let's put it that way, but... It's a tough one. Like we said, our, our opening performances against Everton and Southampton, especially in the first half against Southampton and that game against Everton, wasn't great. So I don't know. I don't think it will be necessarily a great one to watch. But I, think, I still think we're scrape through maybe 2-0. OK,
1: James, what about yourself, mate?
2: I'm going to go a little bit more high scoring, um, ju- just judging by uh, the, the
1: last weekend of Premier League football. Um, so I'm going to go uh, 4-1 Tottenham. Oh, big. And, Carl, can we evoke the ghost of Joe Linton this time and put that one to bed?
0: Yeah, I think we will. I think, as Holly said, I don't think this is going to be a glamorous game to watch or of that exciting. But I think we come out three-nil winners. Um, and I think just because of, you know, the goal-scoring buzz and, like as James said, we're seeing some high-scoring games, some shocking defending. But this time, I don't think it'll be us that are being that bad at the back.
1: I'll split the difference then. I'll go for 2-0 and uh, back-to-back wins in the league. So, you know, keep that momentum going. That's what we want. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is pretty much full time. So I just need to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking the guests. So, Holly, first up, thanks for your return to action. I hope you enjoyed that one.
3: Yeah, I loved it. Thanks for asking me to come back on.
1: No problem. It's always a pleasure. James, thank you for patrolling the middle of the park this evening. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much, Dan. No problem, mate. And Carl, thank you for
0: running the channels, mate. Yeah, not, not as good as Sonny, I'm afraid. But, you know, I'm trying to get my match fitness up.
1: Top man, we'll get there next week, I'm sure. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs.
0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.